Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. As I record this today, it is Wednesday, May 25th, and I have with me today a most special guest, Dr. Jackie Vorpalm. Welcome to you, Jackie. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Always great to have you. So this is kind of an interesting episode. Jackie and I had planned to meet today to record a different topic. Um, Jackie, as some of you may know her from an episode, I believe it's almost a year ago now. Jackie is a child psychologist and one of my top referrals resources in the area. Uh, really my go-to person about all things related to children's uh, psychological well-being. And so Jackie and I were scheduled to record a different episode today. And we decided that there was a more important conversation that we needed to have today, sadly, um, which is how to talk to our kids about these shootings in the schools and shootings in general. So um, we're going to pivot. We're going to redo our agenda. And Jackie has some really helpful thoughts because I know a lot of parents like myself are really struggling. You know, we're struggling with our own feelings about this and we're struggling to understand how we should be talking to our kids about this and, and how we can help our kids manage all the different feelings and thoughts that they might have about it. And it's a really, it's a scary time. It's a scary topic, um, but Jackie is here to give us some guidance. So thank you again, Jackie, for being here. Well, um, I'm going to do my best to bring some broad strokes to comfort people that are listening and how they can show up for their kids. Every, anything and everything that you can provide, I know is going to be helpful because so many of us are at a loss. So um, like I said before, some people may remember you from the episode we did last year, but do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and the kind of work that you do? Sure. I'm a clinical psychologist with a specialization in child and family. So I work with families and parents. I, I also work with all ages, lots of um, caregivers. Um, I'm also a mindset coach, as well as a consultant of um, creating curriculums for different um, audiences. You are wearing many hats these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you have so many years of experience, just so much wisdom working with a wide range of kids. And you definitely understand what it is like to parent and to parent through a lot of difficulties. So, um, so let's, let's get into it today. So where does your mind go when you think about this topic and how can we help our poor kids trying to make sense of all of this? Well, my mind goes to being a parent you know, first and foremost, because I'm a parent and so many parents today were like, I don't want to send my kid to school. You know, I'm scared. I, I'm so worried. You know, I'm not able to protect my child. So I think that's where my mind goes first, which brings up a very important topic that we as parents and adults, we have to process our own reaction and we need to process that not in front of our children. We, it's important to grieve and to be scared and to, you know, feel that fear of uncertainty, but we also need to provide that safety for our children. So it's okay to, you know, feel strongly, but not fall apart in front of our children. Mm -hmm. Would you add to that and may, maybe even, um, temper the strength of some, not the strength, the magnitude of some of our feelings. Like if you want to, if you have strong feelings, talk to your friends about it, talk to your significant other about it, talk to your own family about it. But when it comes to your kids, trying to turn the volume down a little bit on the, the magnitude of your feelings. 
A hundred percent, right? We can feel a lot of feelings, but if we're feeling out of control, that's not the time to talk to your child about what's going on because we don't want to put our child in the position that they have to comfort us. Mm-hmm. That feels even more scary. Like, oh my goodness, my parent is out of control. I don't know what to do. This is really a dangerous situation. Yeah. So turning it down, we don't want to stuff our feelings. We want to express them. But we want to be, have that calm center as well. We want the child. We want our child to know that this is um, something that's serious. This is something that's terrible. Um, but there are also people out there that are trying to protect us and that are taking care of us as well. So it's balancing the story is very important. So we get to control the narrative and thinking about, you know, what do we want the story to be and what do we want the takeaway to be for our children? That's such a great concept. And for people who have listened to the podcast, you've probably heard me talk about that. You know, you and I are both cognitive behavioral therapists. So we be, we believe a lot in the power of our thoughts and how our thoughts are going to influence how we feel and our thoughts and feelings are going to influence our actions. But there's a slightly different twist on that sort of expanding on the idea of thoughts, which is the stories. And what are the stories that we're telling ourselves when it comes to our own experiences? But in this case, it's also what's the story or what's the whole narrative that we are sharing with our kid, because that is going to form their, their interpretation about what this means. Like there's the actual events that happen. Those are facts, but then there's the interpretation and the appraisal of what does that all mean? You know, from a kid's perspective, for me, for my safety, my family, the world, and we have as parents have a huge influence on the narrative that they are going to create to try to make sense of this. So what you're saying is that it's so important that we are really careful about the words that we're using and the narrative that we are sharing with them, because that's going to become theirs. Exactly. And when we do trauma work, you know, one of the hallmarks of trauma work and, and doing, you know, post-traumatic growth is the meaning making of the story and the meaning making builds resilience. So bad things can happen, but we can still feel like we can get through them and maneuver our way and we have a meaning to it. So Mm -hmm. this is a great opportunity for parents to share values and to, um, and belief systems with their children um, that maybe haven't come up before. Can you give me an example of what that might look like? Like one thing that comes to mind, I mean, it could be religious for some people, um, Mm -hmm. but I, you know, which I think if you have strong religious beliefs, that can be a really great anchor in the time of trauma and difficulty, but not everybody does. So I'm certainly not here to push that on people who don't, but if you have it, it's a great tool in your toolbox, but any other ideas come to mind about um, kind of how we can talk about values and use that to create the meaning Yeah, so our values may be taking care of each other or building community. And so it's and creating action. So with older teenagers, you know, teenagers are going to want more information and they're going to want like, what are we doing about this? What are you doing about this? So this is a great opportunity to say, you know, this is you know, how I'm feeling. These are my thoughts. These are our values. You know, what about you? What can we do together? So it could be many things. It could be, you know, um, you know, signing 
something that supports your belief system. You know, some people are supporting gun control and other laws and, and bills, that sort of thing. You know, it could be helping people in your community that we know that volunteer work on a regular basis really does build sense of community and that, you know, you have something to give to others. So these are opportunities to really bring those up and make them happen. Would you say so for those of us, so for example, we're in the Boston area, so we are removed from the, you know, the immediate neighborhood that was affected. Um, so would you say if volunteer work is important and creating that feeling that there are things you can do to help other people that that it's still worthwhile, even if it's somewhat unrelated, like just to promote that idea of being a helper at a time like this, when all these feelings are heightened, even if it's in an unrelated way? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm talking about because oh, okay. we are, I mean, thankfully we aren't there, you know, it wasn't our community, but we also have this feeling of wanting to do something. And the more we connect, feel connected in our community, you know, the safer we feel because mm -hmm. we have those uh, relationships and we know our teachers, we know the firemen, we know the person in the grocery store. And it could be just simply uh, the value of saying hello to people and smiling. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be these big things, but it's creating that value that we're kind to one another, that mm -hmm. we acknowledge one another, that we see each other. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad I asked for clarification because my mind was going to a totally different place with that. So that is well, I think helpful. we do go to these big places that feel like, how am I going to do this? I'm so busy. And how do I fit yeah. this one more thing in? And if this is so critical, what, you know, I, I'm, I'm letting my children down. And so we can't, we need to start small and then build, you know, look yeah. for opportunities that we can step in. I remember you said that in our last podcast, and it was one of the best things that really stood out to me that, you know, we as busy parents tend to think in these big global ways, like if we're going to do something to, with, to have impact on our kids, it has to be an all day thing and it has to be an over the top. And I, I vividly remember you saying that it's just, it can be just five minutes, five minutes of time together can have such an impact. And so the same theme is coming through here that it doesn't have to be this big over the top. Um, act of, um, of volunteering, it, it can be even just small acts of kindness that can really help promote the same feeling. Exactly. Right. And you feel a little more in control of your situation and, and what you can do for other people. But like for young kids, you know, talking about shootings, it really just needs to be one sentence. It doesn't have to be you know, a 20 minute conversation for kids six and under. And even for six and under, if they don't know about this, they haven't heard about it. What is recommended is that it's really hard for kids to understand and they struggle with it. So you don't need to talk about it. You don't need to bring it up. However, if you think they're going to hear about it from someone else on the bus or, you know, with other kids, then you do want to bring it up. Mm -hmm. and talk about it because then you get to control the narrative but it needs to be very brief mm -hmm. and it doesn't need to be very specific because I think sometimes as parents we're nervous and we share too much information and it's confusing for mm -hmm. children so keep it short keep it sweet and you're able to control that narrative 
Yeah, that's similar to some of the things that I've been reading today that I've seen, um, which says um, same thing, like keep it short, tell them something really awful happened today. Um, do you have any questions about it? So like, like you said, before we go spewing all the, all these details say, you know, what have you heard? What do you understand? Do you have any questions for me? And they might, you know, they might really not be digesting and processing it. And then you don't have to go into it more, or maybe they heard more, or maybe they just are more capable of understanding more and they do have questions, but we don't want to assume that they need us to go to all these levels. That is so, so important. You know, I, I, I get a highlighter out and highlight yeah. that. The other piece that is so huge compared to when we were growing up are the images that are out there mm -hmm. and really be vigilant about keeping the images away. Um, we can't do that all the time. You know, they're all over the place, but images are so much more powerful many times than words. So if our child has seen some of these images and it's very upsetting to them, it's important to seek out other images that balance them out. Just like we talked about before with words like heroes, people going in and mm. taking care, you know, sharing some stories that um, people that, um, you know, are okay, those kinds of things. So it's not belittling the situation that happened, but it's also showing the whole picture. That's such, such a good point. And it, it's hard, you know, with the older kids now having their own phones and having social media, it's really hard to control that. But I think it's a great conversation to be having in general to teach them that there actually is an art of managing your social media. There's a skill of managing it so you can take advantage of all the positive aspects that, that, that go along with it and the way it enables you to be connected to others, but you can really actively work to contain the possible negative effects of it. And um, because there are many, as we know, and I know I do this myself, I'm very careful about what images I click on. And because the more you click on something, even the more you slow down over it, the more they're going to feed it to you. And I mm -hmm. know that it's working like that. So I'm very careful about what I'm, what I'm doing because I want to control my feed and what it's going to expose me to. And this was also true, um, after 9-11, I was working at Mass General. It was actually just as I started. And we did some research studies at the time. And one of the things we were looking at was the, the amount of time people spent watching those images. And that was something that happened um, so much, you know, with 9-11, we just saw the planes crashing over and over and over. Those images just kept playing on TV. And like you said, we want to be informed. We, you know, we want to know what's going on. But replaying it over and over and over is not serving you in any way. It's not helping you, you know, gain greater understanding. It's actually just traumatizing. And so it was something that I teach people is to really be careful and limit the exposures, see what you need to see to be informed and then turn it off and move on. And it's actually, okay. I don't, maybe I'm jumping ahead. You might have been planning to get to this, but, um, it's also okay to distract yourself. And, you know, I know you, it's easy to have mixed feelings about that. Like, oh my God, this horrible thing is happening. How can I distract, you know, how can I give myself permission to distract myself? And I felt that today too. I mean, it was kind of strange to just get ready for a regular work day and send my kids off to school and then get ready for work and, you know, do my usual things. Like it just, it, on the one hand, it doesn't feel right to do the mundane um, and our typical things, but yet we also don't need to re-traumatize ourselves all day long with it. 
Right, because that behavior is feeding that anxiety and that fear, like we're doing something, but really it, we're just in a rocking chair. We think we're moving, yeah. but we're yeah. not going anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it just keeps it alive in our mind. So, and we want to model that behavior for our children because our children are watching us mm -hmm. and they are, they are getting their information about how we're responding to this. And it doesn't mean we have to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but we can always circle back around and say, you know, I was really upset and I wasn't able to talk at that time. You know, let's talk now. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we don't have to be so hard on ourselves. No parent is perfect. And if a parent thinks they're perfect, there's other things going on. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I'm so glad you made that point though, because I know it can happen so easily that you have a conversation and it didn't go exactly how you wanted to, or you didn't say all the things you wanted to. And you think, oh my gosh, I blew it. And you know, that was my only chance to get this right with my kid. And in fact, we always have the ability with kids and adults to go back um, with maybe a few exceptions. We almost always have the ability to go back and revisit conversations and say, you know what, I didn't, I'm, I'm not comfortable with how that conversation went, or I wanted to redo the explanation that I gave you because I was thinking about it some more and we can go back to the conversation. Yes. And that's very powerful because our children need to know that they don't need to be on all the time and that they can change their minds or their behaviors is going to change mm -hmm. when they have a little more time to think about something or observe, absorb it. Uh, and that gives them the space to do that. And in these situations that are so scary, like a school shooting, and you're a student, it's important to know that, right? Like your, your responses are going to change over time. And that doesn't mean you're bad or you don't care. Like you were talking about with distracting yourself. Yeah. It means that you're doing the best you can to take care of yourself. You have boundaries, right? And a boundary mm -hmm. is like, how do I take care of myself and you at the same time? Yeah. So that's important to know, like, okay, I've looked at this information, I'm up to date, now I'm going to focus on, you know, the next thing I need to do in the day. Mm -hmm. And if our mind goes back to the tragedy, we can either say, you know, how long has it been? Has it been 10 minutes? Probably nothing has changed. So I'm going to refocus on what I'm doing rather than pulling up some more feed. Yeah. It kind of makes me think today that I'm going to maybe work to kind of get my work a little harder than normal to get my kids off their phone, because, you know, today, these images are just going yes. around and around. And I have found that myself too, on social media today, that I find myself putting away a little bit more, um, you know, doing what I need to do to take the action that I feel I need to take, but being a little more conscious of putting it away. And I think mm -hmm. I'm going to try to do the same with my kids um, today. I think that's a really important you know, thought and action to take. Also, I think it gives us that pause of the preciousness of life that sometimes we take for granted and just the safety around us. And as we're coming to the end of the year, there's so many milestone celebrations and these milestones and celebrations really help us manage and cope with transitions. You know, so many kids mm -hmm. struggle with transitions and 
it's very important to celebrate, you know, the end of seventh grade, you know, the end of second grade, the, you know, as well as graduating from high school, you know, it's that you've completed this year, you know, we're proud of you, all of the things. And it can be very simple of, you know, having a cupcake for, you know, as a dessert, or it could be, you know, going and, you know, doing a fun hike with, with your family that's in honor of you. So it can be very simple, but it's really saying, we need to celebrate our joys and mm -hmm. really stake, make a stake and a milestone, mm -hmm. not just let them kind of go by and be like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. but these, I think these tragedies highlight our attitude of gratitude mm -hmm. and gratefulness of what we have. Yeah. And you know, that's I've, why we want to hold so tight to our babies, right? Right, for sure. I've been writing a lot about that in the past um, couple of weeks, sort of the yin and yang of life that, um, you know, that, that sadness and joy, joy and pain, they coexist. And I've seen so many beautiful quotes about this actually in the past um, few days, even, you know, that it's life, they coexist and we cycle through, we have really wonderful times and then we have really painful times and then we have the mundane and then we go back to the really wonderful and then the really awful and it's just the cycle of life and we can't avoid it as much mm -hmm. as our anxiety may may guide us to try to avoid what's hard we can't and so we just we kind of have to ride it out and just um you know we're not necessarily wanting to accept it but we, we just have to go through it because that's it's just the cycle of life but to your point um one of the coping strategies we can use is to really shine light on what is good because there is always good even in these dark awful times there is always good as mr roger says there are always the helpers um, you know, and there always are things to, um, you know, to shed some light on. Mm -hmm. So true. And these are, these are skills and strategies and ways of, uh, a lifestyle, right. That you can use with talking about the war in Ukraine, um, you know, uh, a mother dying, you know, so these are these are strategies and ways of thinking that can help when you know bad things are going on around you that you can still have joy in your life and it's okay mm -hmm. and you can still feel those things because of this yin and yang right yeah. we mm -hmm. and we we can feel the joy so much more because we've experienced pain yeah and we understand that so yeah, but it, it does give us pause. And sometimes that can be hard to pause, like you were saying that you're asking your child, you know, questions and giving them the space to answer them and not jumping in, mm -hmm. you know, because you're like getting nervous, like, oh my gosh, what are they going to say? What are they going to, I've got to make it all better. I've got to make mm -hmm. it all better. But just, you know, being a being there, a quiet support, and even the body language of just being next to them, saying, you know, giving them that idea that they're safe with you right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess sometimes less is more, right? Like, or less can be okay. 
Mm-hmm. I want to back up for a moment because we talked okay. about the high schoolers who might mm-hmm. have more complex questions or more complex understanding. Then we talked about the little kids who may be oblivious or may have, you know, some more straightforward questions. But I'm wondering if we can talk about the in between the middle schoolers. Oh, um, the tweens. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that age group? Yeah, so you're you're going to give them the opportunity to share what they know, right? Rather than you jumping in and telling them about it, just like you would with a teenager. Um, but they're they may have way more questions than any of the other age groups. Um, they may be more curious, and that group may be more challenging for parents because mm. that group we really do need to dial it down to something pretty simplistic and not in so much detail because they're really just wanting a response, not necessarily the nitty gritty details. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I would say about the uh, tweens. It's a, it's a tough, tough age. And tell me if, if you would agree with this, but on the one hand, I think they're in a rough spot because they're old enough to have access to information. And so they're seeing and hearing a lot, but they're not, they don't have the emotional and cognitive resources that the older kids have to make sense of it. So they're kind of in a rough place of, of seeing more, but not necessarily knowing what to do with it. Exactly. And that, this is the age group where having those conversations of bringing in your values and um, your belief system from your family and how you cope. So sometimes we have to take a a look inside of like, well, how do I manage these Mm -hmm. difficult situations? What works for me? And, and like you said, um, you know, some people turn to faith, you know, some people turn to their friends, some people turn to their family, some people talk to a mental health provider, listen to music, mm-hmm. exercise, you know, all kinds of things that, that, and there's not a one size fits all. We need all of those things in our lives. It just depends on what do we need at that moment in time. Yeah. But, you know, being able to share those Like, you know, sometimes I just need a good cry and I like to watch a sad movie and that helps me get it out. And Mm -hmm. like, oh, really? You do that? Oh, okay. Or, you know, I have this playlist that I like to listen to. You know, do you have one? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have a highlights reel as what I call it on my phone, right? Of these like nice moments that make me smile and really feel gratitude of those moments because boy, you know, it's not always like that. Right. Um, so it's sharing some of those things that you're doing, not like, just like, Oh, I do this. I do this. I do this, but you're sprinkling them in like, Mm -hmm. you know, today I just need to go on a long walk and clear my head. You know, a lot of heavy things are going on. Mm -hmm. So you're just letting your children know, like, you know, I'm coping with it. I'm open to having conversations with you and sharing how you are doing. Mm -hmm. I want to add to your list. I think those are all such good ideas. And I want to put, I want to um, give one other plug for creativity and, you know, how that can elicit, I forget off the top of my head, exactly which hormone that that elicits, but, um, you know, that in and of itself can elicit more of a feel good feeling. It can calm and relax the body and calm and relax the mind. And 
um, coincidentally, so my son happens to be a kid who is very creative and he likes art projects. And so today we happen to have a plan to work on some projects together. But I was thinking that's kind of a great without having to label it as that. But it's a it's a great kind of coping strategy for us to do together that I'm not telling him. I mean, I could, I might. Um, but so, you know, you can either label it or not, but just come up with these ideas or, or maybe, um, you know, looking at family videos together or playing board games as a family tonight. And I love your idea of just looking at family photos or reliving a family, fun family vacation that we can share those coping strategies. And, and like you said, um, model it for them and decide, do we want to label it as such or not? Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up because really having conversations through doing is so mm. helpful, yes. right? Rather than sitting across from one another, right? When, when the kids are little, you know, that eye contact, you know, is really great, but when they get to be, you know, late elementary teens and tweens, the eye contact is like, you know, yeah. So it's more sitting next to, you know, doing something like an art project or going for a walk or mm -hmm. driving in the car, that those are times that we all notice, right? It goes better. Uh, but there's yeah. something inside of us that want to sit across and right. have that eye contact. And that is, you know, that develop those developmental ages, it's not really that helpful. It's such a good point that I find the best conversations happen in the car. And um, even when they were little, when they were in the back seat, maybe there was something about having that distance that was just more comforting and they would start blobbing away about, you know, this and that. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really glad you brought that up. I think it's a great point. So uh, gosh, Jackie, I'm so, so grateful that we had this time planned so that we could have this conversation and share this. And I think we've covered a lot of really helpful topics. I know it gives me a lot to think about it, uh, to think about, and I know that it will give the listeners a lot to think about. Is there anything else you want to add that we didn't cover yet? The only other thing is timing is important. A lot of times your children will bring things up like this at bedtime. Mm. That is really tricky because it's okay to talk about it around bedtime, but make sure that you're ending it with that balance of things that are going well, things to look forward to. So you're not ending it on tragedy mm -hmm. so that they can become, feel comfortable and fall asleep. So I will, I will say that because it tends that you know, their kids are quiet, they're, they're laying down, and this is where all these emotions start coming out. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to shy away from it. But I like to think about it as like a sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. You can you can talk about good things, and then the tragedy. And then what, what can we take away from that or things that we're looking forward to. Yeah. So just because there's no good time to talk about it. However, nine times out of 10, this is where you're going to hear it first. Yeah. It's a great point. And so you can, you can bookend it or sandwich it with um, some positive things to think about, or I'm even thinking about, Hey, let's play some music and I'll lie here with you and we'll just play some music and listen to that. Or, um, you know, we live some happier time. So that's a really great point. So Jackie, I can't thank you enough for being here today and sharing your wisdom on this topic. And I, I wish we didn't have to have this conversation. Um, but given that um, 
this is life and this is what has happened. I am so appreciative that we can talk about this and provide other people with some concrete strategies to hopefully lessen some of the pain that so many are feeling today. So thank you as always for being here. I truly, You're welcome. truly appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. And Jackie, we'll have you back. We'll do our planned content another time. All, All right. right. Well, wish everybody well. Yeah. Thanks everyone.